0: Head to MikeReinold.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinold Show, we talk about assessing the posterior capsule of the shoulder, we talk about strengthening in the hypermobile athlete, and we talk about unilateral training for core. The Ask Mike Reinold Show. Helping people feel better, move better, Better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. I'm up here in Boston at Champion PT and Performance. Mixed it up a little bit there. Uh, and we are here with another awesome episode. Joined by Lenny Macrina, Dan Pope, Dave Tilley, our University of Kentucky all-star, Travis Stepp. Not even a nickname, because you know what? He's an all-star. <laughs> So what do we got, T Bone? Let's ask some questions today. Forgive
1: me if I pronounce this incorrectly, but Uh-oh. it's gonna be
0: good.
1: Richie, Richie, from Orange County, uh, California. Hey guys, thank you for your show. My question is: How do you identify sh- uh, shoulder posterior capsule instability versus internal rotation tightness?
0: Whoa. Wait a minute. He <laughs> means posterior capsule tightness, instability. Versus it says instability.
1: Can you say that again? Okay. Hey guys, thank you for your show. My question is, how do you identify shoulder posterior capsule instability versus internal rotation tightness?
0: Okay. We're right. two different worlds. Right. So why, why don't we rephrase the question there? Why don't we just say, like, how do we differentiate between posterior capsular tightness or hypermobility and internal rotation tightness or hypermobility? So we'll answer kind of both of that because it's the same answer. Yeah. Right? What do you think? Len, you want to start this yeah, one? LenMackPT.com. i mean, assess
2: the joint and do some joint play. Obviously, the patient history is going to tell me a lot if they're subluxing or dislocating or not. Um, and then when the symptoms come on, but I think you can easily sublux somebody's shoulder posteriorly, so you got to be careful. At least in my opinion, I've had some people slide out, and they're like, "Whoa, what was that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's nothing. Don't worry about it." So the posterior capsule is not as thick as you <laughs> think. <laughs> but uh, and then if they're tight, they're going to be limited in range of motion. So if you're tight, you're not going to be hypermobile, so to speak, typically, unless you have muscle t- muscular tightness. So yeah, I would. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I think, I mean, obviously, probably Dan and I have learned all of it from you guys. And yeah. we're probably the same way. It's what they tell you. Like, they go to push a door open and they're like, I feel something weird in my shoulder or, like, right. I fell or something like that. Yeah. If they're not screaming that and they're subjective and there's, like, the back of my shoulder hurts, you're probably not going to be really worried about accessory motion. But when you, when you slide somebody and you put them in the plane, you, really, you can really feel people move a lot. And then some people who are athletes here, I have athletes that do a lot this way. If I put them in that position and I try to slide them back and they're like, whoa, that reproduces, like, kind of, no, yeah. it's probably more instability-based.
0: I like that. So that's a little bit about, about the mechanism, a little bit about yeah. how they hurt and stuff. I mean, for me, I I, I, I mean, you, these guys said it really well. I mean, what, what I would just say, I mean, quite simply, what you, if you have a limitation in range of motion, you have to assess the joint capsule with, with correct joint mobility. So if you assess the capsule and the capsule's tight, then you have to just assume it's that until otherwise proven in a different direction. If the capsule is loose and you have limitations in range of motion, then it's probably soft tissue, right? So there's, you know, that's your underlying kind of like your algorithm in your head that you have to start with. The problem with the posterior capsule of the shoulder is is most people assess it wrong. And we even found this. We did like you know, I remember we were we were doing this almost 20 years ago down in Birmingham, or 15 years ago down in Birmingham with Kevin. And I was like literally like going through all my my textbooks from college, from you know the, the years before, to try to you see every picture of how they tell you to assess the posterior capsule, and almost all of them are telling you how to do it wrong. Because so when you're lying on your back, they're going with a straight PA mode, which might be fine in the world of false of Frank Netter or whatever. I don't know something in, in that fashion but when you lie on your back you have the glenoid plane right so your their plane of your scapula is sitting at an oblique angle so if you're doing a PA move, you're just, you're just hitting the humeral head into the glenoid. You have to, like Lenny was kind of saying, you have to do it right, and you have to kind of make sure you're doing it in the right plane of motion. So I think a lot of people just do that wrong. So we talk about that a ton, and that's on my website. That's in our shoulder course that we have on, on, on shoulderseminar.com. And there's so many things we talk about that, but I would say that's my algorithm in my head. So, awesome. Travis, what do we got? What's number two?
1: Sarah from Flushing, New York. I've heard from gymnasts... That they tend to avoid hamstring strengthening for fear that muscle bulk will decrease their hamstring flexibility. However, we know that lack of eccentric hamstring strength when jumping can lead to a hamstring strain. I've seen some research supporting how eccentric hamstring strength does increase hamstring flexibility. I would just like to hear thoughts regarding both concentric and eccentric training for gymnasts.
0: Well, uh, let's str- let's yeah. streamline that a little bit, Dave. So, we'll say, I have a big opinion yeah. on it. No <laughs> kidding. So, this is almost the, the question is almost like. And by the way, anytime there's a gymnastics question, this applies to all hypermobile yeah, right. athletes. Yeah. Like I, I was all, all athletes. Yeah, I kind of always put that disclaimer. Don't tune out because it's gymnastics. This applies to everybody. So, all right. So, I, honestly, I think that question was: is Does strength training decrease your flexibility? Let's answer that first. Yeah.
2: So that's a huge cultural misunderstanding. And we can even say, oh, I mean, honestly, even all female athletics is really like yeah. sports that are like that. They're worried that if they lift, they're going to just, like, bulk up like crazy, lose their flexibility.
0: That's in males, too. Yes, that true. was an old baseball thing. Yeah. So, I mean, awesome. that's – that's it's it's, it's just, just the strength decreased flexibility. I mean, everybody deals yeah. with that. Yeah. When
2: you look at the research, look at the literature on, like, what actually makes – tissue elongate like there's a pretty famous uh, study that where they put someone in a hamstring 99 and stretched them and then end range held them for a while and they got more mobile but there was no sarcomere addition there was no fiber length change it was like so they gained 20 degrees of a straight leg raise but they didn't get tissue which was just end range nociception desensitization and comfort of stretching like they got more there because of neural stuff right so when you look at research on like heavy hamstring eccentrics what you find is that stuff when dosed appropriately does truly add sarcomeres in series and elongates the fibers so it's actually the opposite of what people think is that hamstring uh, strengthening done well eccentric maybe more than concentric can actually increase length of the tissue to use it in in our so I program for through a full range right through a full range right yeah so with a very heavy load you know, so that's a technical issue, but I program for 30 girls in my gym, and a lot of gymnasts here we give them is that like, weighted eccentric single leg deadlifts are fantastic in a split pattern for gymnasts. They need that, right? Their end range 180 plus hip motions right, can, is protective against that. If you have longer length in your hamstrings, and you can kick aggressively at end range. You're probably going to detention the growth plate. You're going to detention some of the proximal hamstring, and that's a huge issue in, in a lot of these aesthetic sports is proximal um, ischial apophysitis and growth plate fractures because they're, they're seeing limited hamstring flexibility and they jump to this aggressive hamstring stretch but they never actually get stronger and they like blow their rope part. apart. So I would say it's the opposite. If you really overview the literature and, and just think about what's going on mechanically. You know, that and then if you have someone who's regionally anterior tilted, you're in the whole complete boat anyway. So like you could hamstring train someone all day but if they've got other issues, like it's important to look at everything.
0: So great answer and I, I, we, I get it. Strength training's important, right? Mm-hmm. So answer me the question though. Does strength training make you tight? Or lose flexibility. Acutely, Acutely it bingo.
2: Does. bingo. That you know. That Acutely does. in twenty-four hours with DOMS and soreness and stuff. Yes, but long-term and when dose properly, no.
0: And it's been shown if you take care of yourself with some self-myofascial release and other drills like that, you can mitigate that. Duration,
2: foam rolling, stretching
0: after. Yeah, like after you function. can mitigate that a little bit too. So you know, I feel like the benefits way outweigh the risks or the negatives or yes. whatever it may be. So, good, awesome. Travis, what do you got, number three? Jake from Wyoming. Okay.
1: In terms of strength training for the core stabilizers, is there a benefit in setting aside time for unilateral exercises, like the dumbbell uh, bench or rows, outside of core-specific exercises to better target the core during movement? Or is choosing bilateral or unilateral it's simply a question of which movement is more functional.
0: I, that's a great question. What's his name? Uh, Jake from Wyoming. Jake from Wyoming. Great question. Very good. <laughs> uh-huh. no, that's, I think that's a great question. So core training. Do you think you need to just do core exercises? or Do you think unilateral upper and lower body exercises are a great core exercise? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Dan elaborate. what do you think? I've got a. i have like, got I think here's one of my issues with core training. I think core training just needs to be specific to the individual. I don't know that if you have like a high level, let's say CrossFit powerlifter, Olympic weightlifter, if they have um, low back pain, I don't know if the standard core stability program is going to help them. And when I think about core stability for an athlete like that, I think it's the ability to handle a heavy load on your back or in your front and then being able to flex from the hip. And that's a completely different thing than just that everyday activity
2: someone may go through. So what I will say is that I think the the stage one core stability program is phenomenal, but really have to think about what the athlete needs to get back to, we probably need a really good incremental program that's going to get them back. Um, so I, I would say when it comes to core
0: stability, that's going to be incredibly important and probably almost completely necessary depending on the athlete that's in front of you. like baller quality? Yeah, I mean, I, fantastic. I mean, I, I feel like core stability exercises, it's almost like retraining or re-education of the core, that type of thing. In rehab, we're super, super guilty of doing basic exercises and making them advanced but they're still basic. Like, I don't care if you're standing on a Bosu and juggling or something like that. That's an advanced basic exercise. It's still basic, right? So we, we, we think that's like advanced, aggressive, functional, you know, core training, but that's still just, it's core training is about like, you know, re-education of that. It, like Dan said, it's about being able to stabilize the core while the body moves. You know, and whatever functional movement pattern is to you, I think that, you know, is fantastic. Yeah. So, I love, I actually think, to answer, what was his name again? Uh, Jake. 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 I just, I wanted to know his name because it was a good question. Uh, I mean, it's such a good question is, is, you know, doing like a single arm, you know, bench press, like doing single leg exercises, single leg rows. I think those are super awesome because that's that is functional core to me. Right? But now there's one caveat though. If if you think that's functional strength training and you're the guy that says, I will never bilateral train, I will never bilateral squat, then I think that person's missing the boat too. Yeah. I think you gotta put the two together. You can't so.
2: just give someone a bunch of like unilateral pressing exercises if they want to get back to bilateral movement. It's just
0: right. probably not. Or if you wanna look jacked at the beach, then single arm bench is not what it's not your goal. It just depends on what your goal is. Right? So, you know, if you're looking for certain goals, you've got to do certain things. So, the way we integrate them is we'll include like the big movement patterns, the squat, the deadlift, the press, whatever it may be, we include those things. And then maybe our accessory work or our functional work will also do some single leg and single arm type stuff. And I think that's a much more functional way to do it. Awesome. Um. Good. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. Another great episode. Great questions. Keep them coming. Go to ask. uh, No, sorry. Go to Mike Click on that podcast link and you can fill out that form to ask us a bunch of questions. But please rate review. Subscribe on iTunes. We want to make sure that really keep growing the popularity of the podcast so we can keep doing this because we're having a blast. I hope you guys are enjoying it, too. So thanks so much. We'll see you on the next episode. -ah. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.